The Making Sense of Life podcast number 26. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Sunil Raheja. Today's conversation is on the subject of happiness. Uh, for those of you who are regular listeners, you'll know that my co-host Andrew Horton and I began a discussion on this important subject way back with podcast number six. Well, today's podcast builds on that one, uh, which we called that, that podcast number six was called Rediscovering Joy, because we've got a special guest today, uh, Another Andrew, in fact, but we'll call him Andy. It's Andy Parnham. Hi, Andrew. Andy, welcome to. Ha- great to have you here. Hi, thank you very much. So, welcome to the program. I cheekily like to call Andy a happiness guru, but more on that in a moment. Uh, let me introduce you to Andy. Tell you a little, bit, a little bit about him. Andy was brought up in the West Country and moved to London to study medicine. After some, some years working as a doctor, he moved into inner city community work in South East London and then overseas. So this gave him an enormous amount of experience in, the down, in down-to-earth issues that we all face. And during that time, he developed and ran accessible courses for the community and trained as a life coach. So one of those courses has really taken off, and it's called the Happiness Course. That's why I like to call you the Happiness Guru. Uh, and that course is spread throughout the country, and also, Andy tells me, to Burundi and Holland, where he's given the course as well. So Andy spends some of his time working with Livability, that's a charity that serves people with disabilities, Uh, but he also acts as an independent wellbeing advisor and coach, uh, running amongst other things, the happiness course, which we're gonna go into a lot of detail about, and that that runs in a variety of of settings, including schools, health health centers, companies, and also within the NHS more recently as well. So Andy, great to have you here. Thank you. And um, happiness is a subject that's relevant to everyone, no matter what, what their age or their background. But let me just take that one step back, because happiness is linked to wellness and being well. Um, what, what do you mean by being well? Mm. The first thing I would say is that happiness is not necessarily the same as being well. You can be well, but not happy. You can be unwell, Good point. but you can be happy, at least to a degree. Although, obviously, there's a lot of OLAP, isn't there? And there's a lot of words that are used, thrown about in society generally. One of those is well-being. After all, we have in the NHS these health and well-being boards. Yes. So what's the distinction between health and well-being, for example? Leave alone happiness and all the rest of it. So often these words are used without clarity. and so We think we know what they mean. We think, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in many ways we do. Um, we'll get to happiness in a minute. It's a bit of a slippery word because it can mean all kinds of different things. Uh, we'll get to that perhaps 
in a little while. But just thinking about uh, wellness or well-being, if you like, um, just thinking about that relationship or even contrast between health on the one hand and well-being on the other hand, are they the same? Is one part of the other? Well, <coughs> supposing we were to go down the street and we met somebody and one of us was to say to them, um, how's your health? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. What, what kind of response might we get? What, what do you think somebody might say? Uh, I'm doing fine. Or... And if they were going to give you a more specific answer about a specific aspect of their health, what might they say? Um... I'm feeling okay, or is that where you're going? Or? Yeah, I, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just thinking, if somebody was to say to me, how are you doing, meaning how is your health, I might say something like, oh, I had a backache last week, okay, yeah. or a headache, oh, a specific or, thing, yeah. you know, it might have been some other ache or pain or cold or something. Or I've got a dodgy knee or something. Got a dodgy knee, got the, like, have some migraines, it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? So any number of those. But often when we talk about health... What are we talking about? We're talking about physical health. Physical, yeah, exactly. With How's my we, body? We focus on the body. Yeah. We might edge into mental health, but that's a bit dodgy to start talking about mental health, yeah, isn't it? Maybe a bit, yeah. A bit Leave cute. that alone. Yeah. So, so f we had that kind of conversation. It happens every day with, with people. They say those kind of things. In other words, when we think about health, we think, usually, we think physical health. 95% of the time. So if um, somebody was to say, how's your health? And I said that. If Supposing... The answer were to come back, actually, I'm feeling a bit depressed today. I wonder if you could help me. Your average Britisher would go, whoa, I, mm. I, I, I think oh, I've I got... Think it, yeah, yeah I've, got, I've got an appointment. I'm sorry, I'd love to stay, but I just must, must go. In other words, when we get into mental health, emotional health... That's more mm, taboo. That's, yeah, that's we're that's not so sure about that. Absolutely, Don't yeah. feel quite so confident about... You know, talking about my knee or my sore throat is one thing. Talking about my psychological and, and emotional well-being or otherwise, especially. Leave alone if the answer were to come back, I'm having an existential crisis. But I wonder if you could point me in the right direction. Whoa, we wouldn't. We'd say, please, somebody white coat, come and take this person away. Awkward silences. We're well. just, yeah, whoa, awkward that, silences. I only asked you how you were, for goodness sake. Don't get me into that kind of stuff. Yes. That's too deep. Yes. When we get that's in right. those areas, we're getting deep. Yeah. And that's not really where many people are happy to, to go. Whereas we're happy to talk about physical health and, and we can talk about those things as well. That's fine, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so I'm making a distinction between health and in a sense edging into wellness there and saying actually well-being is, is something beyond, <laughs> yeah. broader than uh, physical health. It seems to me that when we talk of health, we often think primarily in terms anyway of physical health and obviously physical health and well-being is not the only thing what about mental emotional relational spiritual whatever but even then just that term health um, often can be focused just on how am I doing at, at this present time if you like how's yes, my body how's my it, mind doing yes whereas well-being seems to connect I suppose that word connection is quite important isn't it how do I connect within myself how do I live a joined up life mean yes. not just how am I doing physically and materially which is what our society promotes pretty much as the happy good life how am I doing emotionally mentally relationally how am I doing spiritually but actually it's not just me is it you know no man is an island kind of thing and so my wellness or otherwise leave alone my health is bound to be influenced by 
people I live with, my family, my friends, my work, etc. So it's all of a piece, that's the point. And I think that's why well-being is a broader term than just how is my health at the moment. Okay, so you've given us that very complex understanding of well-being, and yet you're the happiness guru. <laughs> so... Well, you're calling me the happiness guru. I'm calling, that's true, I'm calling you the happiness guru, that's right. Well, why then did you develop a course on happiness? Because, again, we all tend to think that happiness is quite a simple thing. I am mm. happy or I'm not happy. Yeah, how am I doing? Yeah, yeah very true. And there's a simple answer to that. Uh, it's a word that people know and understand or at least have some grip on. Am I happy? I, I, after all, only you know whether you're happy. I can't tell you. I can't measure your happiness, really. Which is why, for many years psychologists and other researchers struggled how do you measure happiness well turns out that there there are you know these psychological questionnaires and so on how was i feeling yesterday and how's my life going generally etc and they seem to be remarkably uh, consistent in the sense over a period of time they they're kind of standard anyway um this word happy well, let's get on to happiness yes um, that's good. Uh, why do you develop the course in the first place what, what, what got you doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Just the word happy, of course, connects with people. They, they understand the word. Uh, health and well-being, not yeah, sure about that. But happy, well, at least I've got yeah. some idea on that. For me, I was working locally in, um, in Lewisham uh, amongst the uh, inner city context. And the, not just me, but the, the group I was part of, wanting to, let's put it this way, kind of colloquially, uh, to scratch where people are itching. So why do anything if it's not relevant to where people are, where they're itching, if you like? Now, it's not difficult to know where people are itching. It has to do with people's well-being, their jobs, finances, home, how they're doing as a parent, their relationships, blah, 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 loads of different things. Um, and so experimented a bit with this and that um, activity um, and connecting with some courses that already exist on parenting, money management, stress management, relationships and stuff like that, and with variable amount of success. And then um, I discovered through somebody who connected with us locally uh, this whole thing of positive psychology, which right. is a, a recent, relatively recent, 15 years, development of clinical psychology. Martin Seligman in the States, if people may have heard the name. And what they did what he did really was looking back on how psychology had helped uh, with people's negatives mental illness especially yeah. um, depression schizophrenia whatever uh, but what about the those yeah what about the people who are not suffering yeah. mental illness they might be pressurized but whatever yeah. and, so so, it's, and this realization that ill that as you like health is not the opposite of illness it's something quite different there you go there yeah. you go that's really really important even the wealth word health organization 70 years ago recognized that didn't they with the definition of health it's not just the absence of disease but the presence of well and they use the yeah. word well-being yes yeah, sure. so, so it goes back to yeah exactly <laughs> but but suffice to say that uh, our medical model just like very a lot in our our society is very orientated to the physical the material the physical health and so you know people talk about the national sickness service and national prescription yes. service yes. because it's focusing on the negative it's all it's, even though it's called the national health service it's actually focused on illness and there sickness you so you saw a gap you saw a, that there wasn't this focus on happiness yeah uh, and that's presumably what then got you to to start the course yeah well when i discovered this stuff about positive psychology i, I thought well these guys are they're doing our work for us in the sense that um they, the researchers, that's what they are, 
are looking at what they call interventions um, to un or to discover unmask what it is that helps people to flourish it's a good word flourish yes. and uh, they have discovered the long story short on that is all kinds of very interesting and i think very helpful thing people who uh, live lives of appreciation and gratitude are healthier and happier people oh. who nurture relationships people who forgive people who practice acts of kindness who uh, who take notice of the world savor uh, yes. experiences etc loads of different things and it turns out that those things, the research tells us very clearly, actually help people to not go in the negative direction, but go in the positive direction. So I thought, well, we can do something with this. And that's where this, this whole yeah. business began. Yeah. And, and you write about this on, on your website, that just for our listeners, that the website is Andy Jill Parnham. That's A-N-D-Y-J-I-L-L-Parnham, P-A-R-N-H-A-M.com. And you talk about how happiness actually has bottom line results and on, on the site there you talk about uh, happy employees spend twice as long in their jobs as their less happy colleagues they believe they're achieving their potential twice as much spend 65 percent more time being energized and then presumably being more productive 58 uh, percent more likely to go out of their way to help colleagues identify 98 percent more strongly with the values of their organization and are 186 percent more likely to recommend their organization to a friend so it makes a difference in, 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 in the workplace, mm. but also much more broadly than that. You've touched mm. on that, haven't you? Well, yes. I, I mean, immediately, some, some, some of us listening to this might think, well, happy? What on earth do we mean by happy? And I suppose that that's important to talk about at this point. Um, and that's something that we look at in the first session of the course. Again, based on the research. This word happy, like I said earlier, is a bit slippery. So, for example... I might be happy eating this ice cream or drinking this cup of coffee and I'm happy. Uh, it brings a smile to my face. I'm happy because the sun is shining or I'm on holiday and, and, and by the swimming pool. That's, that's fine. I'm happy. But I also might describe myself as being happy if I've just discovered this long lost relative who after 40 years has suddenly turned up and I'm overjoyed, you know, yes. blah, blah, blah. So and all stations in between. So the word happy is kind of corralled and used into all kinds of how we and that's why I think sometimes people get a bit turned off by it. They say, mm. well, you know, and often think, oh, well, what you just mean is smiley face and just having a bit of pleasure and pleasantness. Yes. And the research on that, I think, has been very helpful. And one of the things they've uncovered is that and they don't use the word happiness for obvious reason they use the word subjective well-being these researchers so because it is okay. subjective thing it's very subjective. and they they focus on three or discovered if you like three dimensions which are, what are they? Uh, well the first one is the pleasant life pleasure so focusing especially on the material things so that's what we often think of in terms of happy are you happy well it's because i feel healthy it's because i'm on holiday and my life's going well yeah. and i'm eating some nice food kind of thing Yes, but that isn't the only dimension of wellness. Um, what about beyond that? Well, another one that they talk about, uh, which goes a little bit deeper, um, they use the word engagement, you could use the word investment, meaning, well, yes, it's not so much what I'm consuming, what's been done to me, what I'm taking in, what I'm enjoying from over there. It's actually as much, if not more, to do with me and what I choose to do. So I often give the example of these Olympic rowers, Redgrave and the rest of it, 
and they're collecting their gold medals in the summer, in August, what are they doing on the river, 4 a.m. January? Yeah. They're doing anything but pleasant. When nobody's watching. Yeah. Indeed. So yeah. what they're doing, but at much more everyday levels, you know, a, a good conversation. Yeah. They're fully in the moment. We talked about yeah, we talked about this on on, um, on other blog posts as well. Okay. Is a sort of in the flow. Yeah, totally, flow. Yeah, that's the term. Totally yeah. So the second dimension level, if you like, is something that actually requires a bit more of me. It's an investment. It's a it, it's an engagement. Being when, fully present. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it could be a relationship. It could be work. It could be hobbies. Whatever. Uh, train spotting. It could be stamp collecting. Playing tennis. Whatever. So that's the second level: pleasure, engagement. And then meaning as the um, the third level and or third type, and that actually has probably as much, if not more, to do with what's outside and beyond me. It is to do with the beyond of which I find myself part, and I choose into. So it's perhaps family, but broader than just me and mine, it could be uh, you know world issues or it could be local issues. It's actually something that is bigger and broader than me yes. that gives me a sense of meaning and purpose in my life, which has little to do with pleasure per se. It might be pleasant, uh, but it's meaningful. And yes. that isn't the same thing at all. Yes, that's right. And some people actually just think, talk, you, you talk about this distinction between happiness and joy. And do you want to say anything about that? Because yeah, I think it's fascinating, this, because the word happy, it turns out, etymology, the de what it's derived from, turns out in the English language um, simply to mean many hundreds of years in early English was luck. Oh, right. Okay. Chance. So happenstance, I happen to, perhaps, mayhap, yeah. even the word heap uh, is derived from the same root, a, a lump of, you know, a bunch of stones, haphazard. So in, in most European languages, with the exception of Welsh, <laughs> it, it's derived from luck. And actually there's a sense in which my happiness can indeed depend on the sun shining, yes. whether I've got a full stomach and whether things are going well for me out there. But in fact, doesn't require necessarily a huge amount of me or yes. you know, I receive. It happens to you. You're, you're the passive recipient. Exactly. Happens, same word, happens yeah, like to that. you. Well then, what's, what, so what do we understand by joy then? Joy. Now, the um, I don't have it in front of me, but the 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 idea of joy seems to, when you look at the um, derivation, actually has as much to do with engaging with other people's yeah. happiness and wellness. So, uh, you know, somebody seemed thought was they were lost at sea but turned up so we rejoiced with them so oh. the idea of joy seems to me something broader than deeper than fuller than yeah. more substantial and sustained than just how i happen to be in my state of happiness which is often how it's understood or communicated especially yes. in the media and advertising have this thing that you pay some money for and you will be happy yeah. and those are one of the sort of the delusions the lies that we get from the media we have to be very careful and it's very powerful because obviously advertising spends billions to try yeah. and persuade us that you buy this product and exactly. you will be happy and, and typically it's interesting in the, in the course the first exercise we ever do is what makes you happy just have a think about that and then scribble it down, and we discuss, and we have a flip chart, and say what happened. And it's very interesting things that people say. What sort of things they say? They uh, they have to say with relationship, my family, my children, yeah. my friends. 
walking in the park, a nice, yes, a nice meal or a drink, but often has to do with things that actually don't require money. And so yeah. things that don't appear on that are iPhones and expensive <laughs> cars and things. Yes. And uh, that's very revealing, I think. What actually makes us happy is not stuff, or happy in the, the any sense of the word, is not just stuff that you pay money for. It's actually stuff that doesn't require money, but demands other things of you. Yes, okay. So... You- You've got this happiness course that really begins to tease this out. Um, do people say to you, if I go on this course, will you make me happy? How do you respond <laughs> to that? Will you guarantee it, my yeah. happiness? <laughs> I don't think there are many things that you can guarantee in life. Um, but I can, all I can tell you is I've run this thing scores and scores of times. And I get people to fill out evaluations at the end of it. So it's better to ask them, isn't it? Yes. What and actually what, has happened for them. And what do they say? Yeah. And typically, well, one person said it's changed my life. Wow. Uh, and typically what people say, the, the four sessions, we'll get into it, but the four sessions are a happy life, a successful life, a relational life, and a meaningful life. And even with the titles, you get, kind of get a sense there's a bit of a journey going on. Yes. Starting with what makes me happy, ending with, so what's my life about? And so people will often say at the end, in fact, there's three categories of things they say. One, one category of type of things they say is, it's helped me to look at my life generally, to look back on my life. Mm-hmm. to see what's been important. And then a, a second one would be, it's helped me to look forward, to, to, get, to encourage me to think about, where's my life going? What are my goals? What's my purposes? Yes. And the third and the biggest dimension or group of responses is to do with relationships. Yes. And the third, third session focuses on that. And more often than not, it's people say, well, I need to think again about my relationships. Yes. Because it actually turns out that relationships are crucial to our happiness and our well-being. Yes. And it's, we don't really get very many opportunities to, to think on that kind of level. You know, either life is too busy yeah. or we're sort of taken in by whatever is latest and loudest, whatever yeah. is people are talking about. We, and so it, it sounds like it's a great opportunity to really step back from your life and think about where am I going, what am I prioritising, yeah. um, what really matters to me and what are the things I'm telling myself would make me happy and are they really those, are they really, because again, common sense is not common practice, because <coughs> if you ask people, you know, what makes you happy, they'll say, oh yes, you know, you know, what's most important to you, rather they'd say, yes, my family, my health, these things, and yet so often our priorities mm. Mm. and our time is spent on things that, that don't actually, in a sustained way, kind of thing. Yes. I think so, often people, like I say, don't feel they've got time, but also feel, oh, I don't want to go there if it's a deeper stuff. Well, that's a bit deep, some yes. people might say. And, uh, and we're not encouraged to do that. Just the, switch the news on, it's the latest thing, and it goes on for a bit, and then off. And the adverts and media and everything And that's is... all very, very relentless all the time. If, if we haven't got the boundaries in place and we haven't carefully uh, decided what we're going to listen and watch... It can actually be yeah. very, very sort of... We just yeah. become those consumers, those sponges. Mm. And ultimately, one way I like to describe it is that ultimately um, we we end up following somebody else's narrative. Yes. It's the advertiser's narrative or the news editor or, or, or our friend or, or somebody else. Yes. Rather than working through and deciding, what is my narrative? What's yes. the script for my life? What, yes. What's it all about? It's huge questions to ask them. There's, you also say that there's a, there's a corporate level or community level to happiness. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Definitely. Well, when you think again of well-being and so on, 
Um, often, uh, here's the thing, that happiness in our society, in the West, is interpreted primarily in an individual way, isn't it? Yes. What will make me happy? What uh, do I need to do? What will make me unhappy? Indeed, even when it comes to relationships, how can I find happiness in a relationship? And it's not that's wrong, it's just very so focused on me. Yes. And turns out that people who are focused on themselves, especially in a material kind of way, so I need to get this and it will make me happy, turn out to be the, the least happy people because it just doesn't, it, it, it kind of, it's like sand, it just goes through your hands kind of thing. So, uh, you know, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to work out that healthy relationships make us not just happy, but make us well and fulfilled. And they bring meaning to our lives as exactly. well. Yeah. Exactly. Those three, think of those three dimensions, the pleasant life, the engaged life and the meaningful and, life. And the other big thing is, I think people talk about a set point for happiness, don't they? Because they talk as well about the fact that uh, somehow a genetic predisposition, predisposition to a level of happiness, there's issues around um, our attitude and around... Um, our life circumstances yeah. and there's some the statistics are quite there surprising are. I'm not going to give it all away because if you come on my course <laughs> you'll discover that but there are some surprises about that that in part I'll say this that in part our genetics does influence it our circumstances do indeed but one of the key discoveries in recent times is that actually I do have the ability yes. to make choices in my life that make a difference Either for better or for worse, yeah. actually. Because I think, because I suppose we we over proportionally think that if my life was better in some way mm. or other, that yeah. I don't know, I won a million pounds or yeah. I uh, had that relationship, then I would be happy. But actually, yeah. it's a lot. The circumstance is a lot less than yeah. we. Indeed, we, we, indeed, is there's a name that's worth mentioning here? Someone called Sonia Lubomirsky. I'll spell that S O N J A. Then Lyubomirsky is L-Y-U-B-O-M-I-R-S-K-Y. Now, she's definitely worth looking at on YouTube or reading a book. She's written a book called The How of Happiness. She's one of these researchers. And then she's followed up with called a book called The Myths of Happiness. And that's built around those kind of questions. It, there's the if-only questions. If only I had more money. If only had uh, uh, a relationship. If only I had a better house, a better car, a better this, that, and the other. And then the other thing, things are, um, I've missed out because I don't have X, oh, Y, and Z. Yes. You and know, the disappointments of that. The yeah. disappointments and so on. And, and she makes the point very well, I think, that, that that's important to mention. This whole thing about it'll be better when, particularly when I've got more money, uh, or even when I've got a relationship kind of thing, is postponing to the future... But there's no guarantee, talk about guarantees, there's no guarantee that even when you get there, you're going to be happier because it's so focused on me yes. and me getting happiness that uh, we miss the point. We, we miss the, the point. point. There you are. Okay. Um, some deep stuff to think about as well there. But there's also a strong spiritual dimension. And I, we were talking about this earlier. The word shalom in terms of overall well-being Tell us about that and explain that to us. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. In a book that was written not so long ago um, uh, about well-being, written by health practitioners, so people who, I guess, would know what they're talking about, they talked about this, um, this thing, well-being. Uh, in fact, that's what the book was all about. And he says this in one of the um, 
uh, topics or the discussions of definition of well-being. It says, because it's so complex, the search for a generally accepted definition of well-being is fruitless, frustrating, and ultimately impossible, which is not very encouraging. And then he's got a little diagram on the next page that includes the individual, the family, the community, and that's his definition of it's well-being. So broad and so huge, because it's the whole of life. Yeah, the whole of life. So how do you summarise that in a sentence? So, so do we therefore despair? Well, on one level, that's quite difficult, because that's... You can kind of identify aspects of happiness or even health, but how on earth do you describe that? Well, that's where I think this word shalom is so helpful. And so it's an ancient word, the ancient Hebraic word, a Hebrew word. And uh, of course, we, many of us have heard about it and maybe understood it uh, as translators as peace. And that, that's okay, you know, peace is broken out, etc. Uh, although often that word peace has uh, been interpreted the absence of warfare, right. just like health is the absence of disease. Yes. Well, actually, health is more than the absence yeah. of disease, and also peace, and certainly shalom, is much more than just we don't happen to be killing each other, peace has broken out. Well, isn't there a bit more yes. to it? Well, of course there is. And the interesting thing about that, when you read these things up a little bit more, it's a very, it is a very deep word, but also a very broad thing. That's where I think it helps us understand well-being. Mm. And it has three dimensions to it. One is a personal dimension. So Jews, when they greet each other, they say shalom, don't they? Yeah. And what I think they mean when they say that is not just be happy, but every good thing, every blessing that you could possibly imagine, may that be yours. Yeah. And that's a really nice greeting, isn't it? And yeah. so the, there's the personal, I'm doing okay myself. But then secondly, there's a relational dimension. So that could be a personal relationship. How are we doing? Well, we're doing okay relationally. That's one of the key things. But it could be society or internationally. Mm. How, is, how is it going? And then third, which is a, perhaps quite a surprising one, is an eth ethical and moral one. Yes. Which, which then, and this is a whole area for discussion, brings in the whole issue of not kind of how am I doing or what's happening to me, what kind of person am I? Mm. What kind of person am I becoming? And how does that impact myself and other people has to do with character and so when you put all that together on an individual and a corporate level that for my for my understanding is a really helpful understanding of whether it be an individual thing or you know a, a global wow so it's a huge concept there how about you know as we, as we draw to close and thinking about the whole issue many of our listeners um are followers of christ as disciples of christ uh, how it all fits in in terms of happiness with God where do you see that where all that comes together well I, I think that um, well I, I put it this way I find it helpful I hinted just now at that big complicated diagram I think one way of simplifying our understanding of well-being is to think in terms of the physical which is what our society thinks about yes. physical health uh, but also material goods but then that leads into mental well-being or health. Mm -hmm. But then emotional and relational and communal, societal and spiritual. And the further you go over that way, away from the, the material, not away from, but you know what I mean, just in diagram, diagram terms, away from the material through the mental, emotional, over towards the spiritual. In Western societies, um, the less distinct and clear and defined that is indeed in the public domain it was 
that well-known um, official of uh, Tony Blair who said, we don't do God, for right. example. That's right, and in England, yes, that's right. And, and in the West, or at least in Western Europe, that would be true. In the public sphere, yes. we do do material things but we don't do this other stuff if you want to go and do your spiritual stuff go and do it at yes. home yes, especially yeah, at this day and age particularly in the, in the west in, in Europe that's been very exactly so so in the west obviously as I'm, I'm restricting it for a moment to that or the western mindset let's put it that way focuses especially on the material and often even the mental is understood in terms of chemicals electrical things and that's what we do therefore we give each give people chemicals because they're depressed kind of thing yes. Um, because we understand it in those terms. But the further we go over to the other end, as it were, if you can put it that way, the less publicly there's clarity and a way forward. And so I describe it as a flight to the East. And so so in the West, in the public, we're still dominated by the, the materialistic, yeah. modern approach. But in private life, many people, often in reaction to that, have embraced... Yeah. Uh, particularly uh, Eastern uh, approaches, and I can understand why that is. Often, what they've done is leapfrog the Middle East. Yes, like that. And um, anyway, Ab- absolutely. There's, there's more to be said on that, but that's no, no. That, that, that's that's that, that's really helpful, I think, because yeah, that Western material worldview is not sufficient. It leaves a lot of, a lot of gaps, gaps, and, and there's lots a lot of, of hunger for that. Exactly, that's right. So. So again, we're just coming to a close, really. But it's it's the happiness um, course. Uh, the website is andyjillparnham, that's P-A-R-N-H-A-M dot com. And also you write more about it on thewellperson.wordpress.com. Mm. Um, we talk about it a little bit more on podcast number six, if you want to explore it a little bit further. And Andy, you've also done a, a guest post for us on drsnil.com, uh, mm. haven't you? About mm. we're, we're all, we're all materialists, so it's we're, not yeah, unrelated to what we've just been saying. Which is very similar, so you can find out more about that. Um, but... Uh, do feel free to, to add some comments and questions and uh, thank you very much Andy for, for your time pleasure thank you if you've enjoyed today's conversation you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com And could you do us a favour, head over to iTunes to rate the programme. This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drstanil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.